Well, we have been in such an exciting series on our whiteboard conversations. How many of you have been enjoying this series, learning a lot? It's been so exciting. And uh, I know we started out with a blank, uh, getting a blank slate. How many are glad that when you come to Christ, you get a brand new start? That slate gets cleaned, and that's so exciting. Uh, last week, I heard Pastor Natalie did an awesome job talking about just not keeping score and how to clear that scoreboard so we don't keep a, a, a list of everybody else's wrongs, right? How many have been working on that this week, kind of doing some erasing? Awesome. Well, guess what? Once you get a clean slate and you're working and you have a great relationship with others, God doesn't want your slate to stay blank. Clean slate's one thing, but not blank. And I've been so excited about the message today because we're going to start in the next few weeks of this series to talk about what do we get to put on that board now, drawing a picture. Uh, I am not very good at art. Uh, how many think I drew that picture? Right. Very few. Uh, anybody? Almost. In fact, no one. Thank you. No one had faith in me. Thank you. If you want to pay for art, no, please don't even pay for art lessons. That's a whole other story. Art is not my thing. I think that was my beautiful daughter-in-law. So if you want to play Pictionary, I'm not your partner. I will cheer you on. But you know, it, in a game, that doesn't matter so much. But in real life, it's really important that the picture that we have for our life, for the life of our family, is very clear, right? And so we're going to be talking about that uh, today. Pastor Stephen and I are going to kind of uh, tag team teach and just, you know, sit forward, get your notebook out, because this is a message that really can change the trajectory of your life, what the vision, the picture that you have. So buckle your seatbelts. Let's go. Whoa. Whoa. That, that looks a little bit like what you could draw. No. If the, if the outline the, was there, I think you could have done it. Yeah. Thank you, hon. Yeah. That's very kind. All right. Our anniversary is this week, so he's just being kind. 37 years. I was 10 when we got married. Child bride. I've been happily married for 37 years. She's been happily married for 25. <laughs> a few of those years were a little struggle, but <laughs> wow, so much to say. Don't even know how to start this morning. Vision. Vision. Is a picture. <laughs> yeah. She got me thinking about our anniversary and... <laughs> <laughs> Yesterday, we went out to Bella Union. How many have been to the Bella Union? And uh, so we sat out there in the sunshine, and, uh, and so we had some pasta and some uh, a chicken, whatever, Parmesan. Parmesan sandwich. Of course, we always divide. How many of you married couples always, you hedge your bet, and you, you make sure that you, 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 you deal for half of the other person's plate on a trade? And that way, if you guys misorder and it's a disaster, you don't really feel terrible. And so we, we did that, and it was good. Peel and eat shrimp. It's those times when I'm eating shrimp and, and pork that I go, thank you, Lord, you made me a Gentile, and you still brought me into the kingdom. Anyway, we're talking about a clean slate and then filling the clean slate. How many of you know when Jesus comes into your life, he comes in to take away your sins, and, and much of the church world 
emphasizes the fact that you, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. How many of you say, I am so glad for the forgiveness of sins, not only for the past, but for my current stupidity that I find myself doing, where whether it's gossip or you say harsh things or you just resist doing the laundry for three weeks in a row. How many of you know there's a lot of areas where we do say, Lord and others, please forgive me. I love the mercy end of the gospel. But see, that's only half of what God wants to do. Once he cleans your, your whiteboard, he wants to fill it with good things. He wants to build something with your life. And this is where you're not going to get help much from our society. Many of the people who produce magazines, newspaper, media, entertainment are highly disciplined people, but most of what they put out will teach you to be a slob, will teach you, 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 you can win, you know, you can win a great mo boxing uh, match even by being pummeled 18 times directly to the head. How many of you like the Rocky series? It doesn't work that way. You take that many shots to the head, it doesn't matter who you are, even with a helmet, you're going down. And so there's fantasy land, and then there's what's up, really. So we need a vision for what God wants to do in our life. If you're brand new and you received Jesus just this week or recently, then some of what you're going to first hear is he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to be a part of his community. He wants you to do some certain things. But once you're doing those things, you're a part of God's house and you're, you're, you, know, you quit being completely addicted to drugs and alcohol, there comes a time when you need to do something with the freedom that you have. What is vision? What is vision specifically for your family? Vision is what you see even when your eyes are closed. Vision is not something that I just observe. I'm watching my little family, but it's something that, it, it, that prior to having children, Kim and I had vision for our family. We knew what we wanted in God because, because we had a vision for our own walk with God. Some people's vision of walking with God is you, you use God, you get, you get free of sin, you go back into sin, you get free again. That's a terrible vision of your relationship with God. He'll, he'll, he'll forgive you of your sins, but wouldn't a vision that I, I, I get free, I stay free, and they bury me still free? Maybe decades down the road. And, and while I'm being free, I'm building other people around me. I'm encouraging. I'm generous. I'm kind. I'm in encouraging with people. How many of you know there's a lot of vision that God wants to give us concerning spiritual life, spiritual life even in the house? But a lot of what we talk about is coaching for family because we are a very youthful church. How many figured out all that noise is not the building, it's the people in it? It's because we're very young. And so many young people are growing up where maybe they had kind of a family situation going on and then uh, mom's boyfriend moved out and they've had four or five different guys that mom's moved in and they're kind of like dad light. They got the meanness, none of the nurturing, none of the coaching. And so if you don't have a clue of how to build, you're going to build according to the vision that you have available. 
And so at Joy, we don't just look at our community and say, it sucks to be them. That's not how we feel. We leave our ivory tower. We go into the streets. We tell people, hey, come on in. Help us get behind you and show you a better way to build so you can have what so many generations of Christians in America have had for years and years and years and years. Stable family, stable careers, stable relationship. Stay married to the one you're married to till the day you die. That's right. That's right. 50 years of marriage is not optimal when it's 10 years apiece and five different uh, partners. And so we want to just teach old school values because they're in the Bible and give them to you and your kids and your grandies. So what you see when your eyes are closed are really what your vision is. And, and some of us are going to get some healing because our vision is of disaster and it's a vision of doom, an impending doom. That's not what God wants us to have. But on the other hand, it isn't just that you see something. You've got to give some energy to make that happen. So basically in the house of the Lord, there are two platforms that, or foundations that uh, you need to build your vision upon. One is God's word. Okay, don't be Bible-ized. Be a Bible student. How many of you know that if you, if you maybe uh, check out Facebook and you see a few postings of scriptures, that's not the same as a macro view of reading through the Bible every year and better yet, read through it in a year and take some time to study uh, subjects that are really pertinent to you. If you're a, a, an upcoming parent, you might want to uh, really steep in some scriptures on what it's like to be a good dad, a good mom, uh, and, and, and all of those other things. So not only just get a macro view of the Bible, but, but get a micro view on subjects that you really need some help on. If you've got anger problems, you probably don't need to be studying world vision right now when you keep getting fired because you, you explode on the job. You might want to read all the verses on angry men and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So the, God's word is, is, a, is a foundation. And the second thing are godly values. I have met people that are really good at, at spouting scriptures, but they have no wisdom in how to blend those together. The difference between uh, uh, Nick Saban as a college uh, championship, wherever he goes, Nick wins national championships in college football because not only does Nick know the fundamentals, he has the wisdom to fabricate those disciplines wherever he, wherever he coaches, whether it's LSU or Alabama. And, and the winning coaches can go anywhere because it's more than just Everybody knows how to do a, a, a blocking drill. Everyone knows how to do tackle drills. But it takes a wise coach to, to be able to work with personnel, with, with uh, their, their coaches, and, and blend something together. Trust me, to walk with God and or be a parent takes a lot of wisdom. And we need more than just some uh, various uh, smattering of scriptures. We need the wisdom on how to put it together to build something on that whiteboard that's wonderful. Uh, we're looking at, and Kim's going to take, take us in a, in a couple of minutes. Uh, in Joshua chapter 24, it's the last address that Joshua did with the people of Israel. And in it, he offers options. Never tell your kids that sin's not an option in your household. That's the same as saying that your house is heaven and it's not heaven yet. Right. We're going to talk about how to make sure sin doesn't stay in your house. Yeah. 
But one of the best ways to avoid sin is be aware that it's there. Even in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want my kids to know that when they wake up, there's two groups to meet them. There's the, there's the demons, and there's the angels, and then there's their will. And we encourage them, exercise your will to choose what's good because the other will come and everybody brings an invoice with them. You're going to be billed by God and you're going to be billed by the devil. The, the neat thing is when God invoices you, he gives you the ability to pay it. When Satan invoices, he takes and takes and takes and he limits your ability to recover outside of a rescue from God. So we see in, in Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 through 15, it says, So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and, in, and also in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refer, refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, my, my uh, team that helps me build sermons, and in this case, specifically my daughter Natalie and my wife Kim said, Dad, you need to do the Globe Talk. How many of you from Joy understand what the Globe Talk is? Okay, you've been around enough. The globe talk in our house was not a vision giving. It was a sin apprehension tool. You see, because many people that I've met don't have convictions, they have preferences. I prefer that you don't smoke marijuana. No, it's a conviction. I'm gonna stick the reefer lit on your back multiple times, I'm gonna burn you with it. That's conviction. No, I'm making that up. What I would just let my kids know is, no, we're not gonna, we're not gonna eat dope here. Right. That's right. If we're gonna drink, we're all gonna drink together. I'm gonna go down to the Oregon liquor store. I'm gonna bring tequila, vermouth. I'm gonna bring uh, peppermint schnapps. I'm gonna bring brandy. And we're gonna, if we're gonna go to hell, we do it as a family. <laughs> we're either gonna serve God or we're gonna serve Baal. But we're not going to have five multiple worldviews in the household. And here's the globe talk. Wow, look at this. This is a globe of the world. And we see there's so much ocean here. And then there's land. And there's different continents. There's South America, North America, Africa, Asia, Europe. Then there's the... Uh, India and parts of Asia, China, wow, big. And then Australia, its own little continent down there, down under. And you know what? You've been thinking about doing something different than our values in this house. I want you to focus on some realities here. That man, you go to any of these places, you can go to Greenland, you can go to Iceland, you can go to Sweden, you can go to England. But over here in the Western Hemisphere is where the United States is. Wow, it's a fairly big country. And a small part of it is Oregon. 
really small part of it here, and it doesn't even show it on this map, is Medford. And then deep inside of Medford, there's a tiny, tiny dot called the Schmelzer House. You can take your behavior and you can hit the threshold and you can go anywhere you want on the globe and do your own thing. But here, we're going to serve God with our whole heart. That's the globe talk. I want to encourage you to be a person of value. We hear in church all the time, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. He does. Jesus values you. When are you going to vote for you? Values, as even Joshua said, he didn't think they're automatic. You guys have seen the deliverances, so I know you guys will never fall away. I've seen tremendous miracles in my life, and I have to keep my eyes on my fries or the McBurglar's going to steal them. You have to stay vigilant. You got to wake up every, you got to go to bed with seeing what you want, knowing who you want to be. If you didn't live that way today, that's what that prayer at bed is so cool. Dear Father, I messed up. I was a mess today. Thank you for the portal of sleep that we can go through one doorway into the new day and tomorrow I want to do better because my values torment me. I will not live my life with preferences. I will live my life with convictions. Kim's going to share with us now. Wow, that's so good. You know, each of us is building a legacy, and you have a globe talk. You know, that's one of the questions we're going to ask you later. Have you had a globe talk with your family? Could you have a globe talk? Do you know what your family stands for? And as we were kind of preparing for this message you know, that thought, you're building a legacy, something that's going to outlast you. And it's either going to be something awesome, it's going to be a cool, awesome house, or it may be something that you're not very proud of, but you are building something. And I was thinking as I was preparing for this message, we were reflecting a lot on Joshua and Caleb. And uh, I was really moved when I thought of, of Caleb. Caleb was one of the 12 spies, if you know, 12 spies went into Israel when they were getting ready to take the land. And out of the 12, only two, Joshua and Caleb, felt there was something good. They had a vision that God could give them something awesome. The other 10 said, it's a great land, it's wonderful, but there's giants, we can't do it. We're grasshoppers on our own side. They saw themselves with no vision and no future. And so what happened is for 40 years, uh, they had to stay in the wilderness until all of the people that lacked vision died and all of their kids were able to be raised up. Out of that generation, two lived. Joshua and Caleb, think of it, two. Out of about 600,000 men, and uh, so about a million and a half people, two of the, the ones over, uh, the original ones. And the cool thing about Caleb, as I've been thinking about, is he somehow in that 40 years, he kept that vision alive. I can imagine, like Steve said, he's closing his eyes he never lost, even though he's wandering in the wilderness, he saw the vision of the, of the promised land. He saw the grapes. He saw the beauty. And he had a vision. There was actually a city that later on he was going to ask for. And it was a city where there were giants that lived. It was actually a city where the Anakim were. And I can see him because he had a daughter, and her name was Aksa, cool name. 
And I can just imagine him telling her stories, and she'd say, Daddy, tell me about the land again. And he would describe the land, and he put in her that same different spirit that he and Joshua had, so much so that when they actually got to the land, and I want to read a scripture to you from uh, Joshua 15, when Caleb was ready after 40 years to go into the land, he's standing before Joshua, and this is what he says. He says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going out and coming in. Now give me this hill. Wow. 40 years wandering in the wilderness could not dim the vision of what he saw. And you know, that's the spirit that happens when you have a vision, when you know the picture that God wants to put. It gets written on the tables of your heart and nothing can knock it out. And it was interesting because in the passage that Pastor Steve read from Joshua 24, when Joshua at the end of finally they've conquered the land and they're getting ready to uh, live in the land, Joshua is going to have a conversation with them where he's going to give them a choice. Now it's interesting, and uh, one of the scholars talks about this, that normally people weren't given this kind of choice in the Old Testament. God would say, I chose you and you're my people, and so basically you're going to live this way. But in Joshua 24, God told the people of Israel through Joshua, you are going to have to make a choice. And I want to tell you that as you begin to draw this picture for your family, as you begin to prepare your own globe talk, you have to make a decision, which God am I going to serve? What's my family going to look like? What are the values and the principles that I'm going to put in? It's kind of interesting because the place that uh, Joshua chose to give this charge was a city called Shechem. And it's interesting because this city was a place where values and choice had been established. Earlier on, Abraham had been there, and Abraham had uh, had an encounter with God, and he had built an altar and, and met with God at Shechem. Jacob goes there and literally buries the, the old uh, idols that had been in his family <clears throat> and his wife's family, and he made a, a commitment to God at Shechem. Joshua at Shechem is speaking out and saying, you can serve whatever gods. You can draw whatever kind of picture you want. But in my house, and as for me, with my family, the values, the picture we're going to draw, we are going to serve the Lord. Interesting, that same city in the New Testament was uh, a city called Sychar, which is where the woman at the well, same place, and yet she buried her old life there and made a decision to start a new family line. And I would ask you today, where is your Shechem? Where is your place? Where is the place that you've met with God? You know, Pastor Steve mentioned in the first service that this is not meant at all to bring condemnation to any of us because sometimes we've had pretty crazy lives and maybe right now the, the, the family picture that you have is not great. That's why we have this, this beautiful message about a clean slate because you get to start over. You get to start. You get to begin to speak. Even if your kids aren't serving God, you can still speak value and begin to cry out to God for what? For that family vision that God is now putting in you to come to pass. And I actually woke up about three this morning just kind of thinking about this. This is, you know, this really burns in my heart because we, we see so many people that live lives without pattern, without plan. They don't have a vision. They don't know what to draw. And as I was praying, I just said, Lord, what, how do you draw this picture? What, what does it look like? You know, sometimes it's very, you know, nebulous, draw, get a vision, you know. Okay, well, how do I do that? And I, I came up with three words that I want to share with you because I think this helps us to get an idea, and they're going to pop them up here. Uh, can you pop up that, that slide, guys? How do we describe this picture? The first thing, it's like a roadmap. How many have ever seen a roadmap? 
When you're getting ready to go on a trip, you have to have the right map, don't you? You have to know where you're going. And my family, we, uh, my mom was a vacation queen, and I'm the vacation princess. And we used to get these things, if you've been in my classes, called triptychs. You know, now uh, MapQuest, all that, not as fun. This was paper. You had to flip the pages and see every 100 miles that you went. And I love to be the holder of the roadmap, the holder of the triptych. We made it. We did 100 miles. Another one. And I just, that was like my favorite thing. I got them for my kids. I actually got one for a trip from Medford to Los Angeles. That's straight down I-5. You don't need a triptych. <laughs> but it's so much fun to flip the pages that I go, I'm going to get a triptych. Okay? And that's what vision's like. It gives you a picture so that when everything's all rough and crazy and you don't know, you've got a picture. You got a, I'm, I remember where we're going. The next thing, it's a recipe. You know, there's, there's, there's uh, certain ingredients for certain recipes. If you're making red sauce, it needs to be red. You're starting out making red sauce and it turns into fettuccine alfredo. Good dish, but not the one you were, start, you were, you were aiming for. Okay? And so your vision has to have, it's going to have specific ingredients. It's going to be clear and it needs to be clear to you. And then I liked this third word, reconnaissance. I think I'm saying it correctly. That's a military word where they would go out on a reconnaissance mission to look at the lay of the land and find out, are there enemies? Where's going to be the best place to position for the victory? What should we avoid? See, as you're getting that vision for your family, you got to have a destination in mind. You have to have the values and the ingredients, and you have to be pretty sharp, that wisdom that Pastor Steve was talking about, to know what are going to be the pitfalls, the pitfalls for you, for your family, for your marriage, so that you can have that successful journey and get that house up and going. And then, you know what happens when you build a beautiful house? You get to live in it. You get to enjoy the fruit of it. Joshua and Caleb got to enjoy the good of the land. Caleb's daughter, Aksa, what a beautiful woman of God. And you know how you know that Caleb was able to get vision not only for himself but into his daughter? He made sure that the man she married was a warrior. He said, there's this city I want taken. First man that gets it gets my daughter. I bet she was beautiful. Along comes Othniel, and then he wins the city, he wins the girl. And then guess what the girl did? She goes, it's good we got the city, but get my dad. Tell him I want more. I want more. She had that different spirit, and she asked for the springs of water. And I can just almost see Caleb sitting back with a big smile and laughing. Girl, you get the lower and you get the upper springs. She had that spirit. See, when you have vision and you get a picture for your family, it gets into your kids. It gets into your grandkids. You know, it's fun talking to Nat and Riley about their new little guy that's coming. They're already talking about Team Amen. They're, They're scheming on him, you know. Riley, I, I heard Nat say, is it okay if I say that? He's gonna, you're, I'm going to teach him how to work. And you know, Don't you say, brain, grow, brain, grow. And, and, you know, they're speaking life. I remember when I was pregnant with every one of my kids crying out that they would have a vision for God, a passion for God. And it's really fun now. You know, 37 years later, my son is 33, Jake the oldest, 33 years later to look and be able to go, it worked. Not without struggle, not without pain, not without mistakes, not perfect, not easy. But the vision was there, that picture. And I'm praying for you. Pastor Steve's going to ask you some questions in a minute, but I'm passionate about this. We are passionate about this because you matter. Your family matters. Your life matters. 
God never intended for you to just kind of exist and then, you know, sort of have an okay life. His plan for you is to prosper, to overcome. But you can't do that if you don't have a roadmap and you don't have a recipe and you don't know how to do those reconnaissance missions and have a life that can be built that way. And, you know, I remember pictures. I remember being, you know, uh, in my junior high years, feeling the call of God in my life to be a pastor's wife and then having a wonderful pastor's wife named Lori Hamby and being able to look at her and get a picture and take snapshots. I remember for Steve hearing the story of him at age 18 at his, at his camp just saying, God, I feel this burning call to, to be a pastor and, and God giving him a word. And see, those words get burned in your mind. See, think about Caleb. Forty years later, he knew the city. He knew the hill. He knew there were giants, and he didn't give up. And that's our prayer for you, that you, you know, whatever it takes, I just encourage you, if you don't have that vision, Pastor Steve talks about young men going on vision quests. You know, it's important for the gals to have a vision, but let me tell you, if you're a man in this room and you plan on ever having a family or you have a family, you got it. This is, this is like life and death stuff. This is life and death. And you go and you get that vision, you get that picture, and then you go out and get to build from those blueprints this life that's really awesome and so worth living. Not perfect, not without, uh, without uh, difficulties, but so beautiful. Wow. Girl can talk. I had to talk fast. I know. She, uh, she's beautiful. She's a great teacher. I love, love hearing Kim. It's... Uh, a little maddening. I've been uh, in the easy chair more often, and she's got more training time with me. And uh, so usually I can go out and water the plants and recover from the last adjustment I had. And, uh, and so recently we've spent a lot of time together. We, we do anyway, but I really respect the fact that uh, when I met Kim, she already was a value shopper. It, it wasn't something that that, that I put in, it was just something that uh, you need to marry what, what you want. Little marriage council girls don't marry a guy because you think he might clean up okay. He won't. <laughs> women women uh, marry men hoping they will change. Men marry women hoping they won't. <laughs> Both end up being disappointed to some degree, right? Uh, but seriously, you, you have to, this is why we have elaborate training on how to really connect. Marry a person of your people. Who's your people? It's not a racial thing. It's a, it's a value thing. We're not hung up on white, black, Hispanic, Chinese. We don't care because everybody has pretty babies and we're all happy about that. That's not your people. Your people are your value people. What, what, you're, what you believe for. And so I want to uh, finish. Uh, Kim and I both made a couple of modifications in what we're saying. But I wanted to just love on you a little bit uh, because it's easy to say, uh, well, my kids are raised or we're in such a, a state of uh, dissipation in our family that we could never rope it in. So a lot of our training is going to be how to start right and keep it right. I, th I think that, that as a church, we should, we should do a lot of training for young kids and people. Here's how to do it right. 
Don't get knocked up in the back of a car. That's good counsel. How many of you know? You can say it real sanctimonious or you can say it kind of street level. It's still good counsel. And so we, we, try to, we try to train with young people a lot of stuff. Please don't do this. Please don't do that. It can cost you. It can cost you. Now, sometimes folks still do it, and we're here as a redemptive community to say, hey, let's, let's repair. Now, you may say, well, I'm a grandparent, and I don't even, you know, all my kids are raised, but you still have grandchildren, and you can still talk to them. Many people have a lot of value that came from their grandparents. And so what happens is you've got to get the dream that God has for all of his people, and you've got to be able to speak it to your grandees. When they're over, you know, it's cool if you take them to Disneyland. You've got 700 miles to, 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 to put in some values as they see you and grandpa loving each other and maybe they're, they're coming from a place of chaos and, and, and in your car in just the brief few days in the hotel, they feel like they're in heaven. I want to provide heaven for anybody when they're around me, if they, if they, if they can find peace and stuff. And, and I'm always talking to people that, that, that I don't live with and I'm putting value in them. So don't think that you can't keep putting value into your grown kids. Maybe, maybe they decided not to follow God at all. Don't give up. We, we serve the Lord who's a God of multiple chances, just not the second chance, you know. And so some questions that we need to ask ourselves is what vision do I see for my life and family? What vision? Okay. You will be barraged with this always. What happened to my note? I had some notes here. No, I had, it was really cool. Let's see if I can, there it is, okay. Number two, um, what values am I using to draw the picture for my life and family? Okay, some power words that I've given you today are preference and conviction. Eli in the Bible had preferences. Abraham had convictions. Okay, I don't think that you can really, really, really disciple your family with long-term, multi-generational impact if, if you're giving them a bunch of cliches that are your temporary preferences. Hello? But, but when, when they're convictions, they can go on multiple generations. Read Jeremiah 35 about the sons of Rechab. You know, their dad said, we don't live in, in, in walled cities and we don't drink wine. And, and God said to Jeremiah, go set wine before them, vats of wine, and they wouldn't touch it. And God used it as an illustration. He said, this, this man's great-grandchildren are keeping his value, but you don't even honor me as your father. I want to I put Rechabites. I want that three, four, five generations down through the Schmelzer line, people are still remembering the grumpy old curmudgeon that always was putting value in them, loved them. And when they, when they were out of compliance, we round them up, right? And so you have, to, you have to go buy some values, guys, girls. Don't just assume, well, I'm American, we all got values. No, American values are really going down. They're, they're, they're quickly. In the black community, 60 to 80% of all young, young black men are, don't have a dad. Okay, I have compassion. 
I have compassion for the black community, but it's happening in all of the communities. Okay? We can all just curse the darkness or we can start lighting candles. I don't want to, I don't want to be just a protester against how, how society is going without us creating a, an alternate where we say, come on in, y'all, come on in. If you're a single mom, bring your babies here. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna love on your babies. We're going to have guys around them that are going to be role models for what a daddy should be. Okay? And when your kid's a knucklehead, we're going to scream at them like we would at home. So values. What values am I using to draw the picture? Number three, could I have a globe talk with my children? Better yet, can I have a globe talk with myself? I think sometimes we need to get good and mad at ourselves. And just grab yourself by the nap of the neck and say, comply. Obey the Lord, Schmelz. Obey the Lord. I'm no victim. I'm making choices. And the choices are going to pay me. And so when I don't like the harvest of what I've been, been planting for, I've got to say new harvest. Right. We've got to rogue out the old, the old uh, weeds and things that we've allowed in our life. We've got to buy back those old tapes and cassettes that we have, make it, make it fresh, and then, then wait because it takes a while to plant a new harvest and, and get the fruit of it. Okay. Um, what choice am I making for my life and my legacy? Am I like Joshua and Caleb? Or am I like the rest of them that no one remembers? What happened to the rest of them? They, they, they all, all had preferences, and they died with their preferences. They preferred meat over manna. They preferred not, 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 not being, having to go in and take a land. They had a lot of preferences. This is going to burn in you. You're going to wake up at night hating me and seeing my big old square face there telling you, Preferences versus convictions. Number four, can I put in writing the vision picture for my life and family? Can I put in writing? And so part of the homework that, that you, you, you can come back next week without doing your homework, but it's something that I think everyone needs. Get a yellow pad, scratch out. The biggest question I want you to put on the top is, is my life preferences or convictions? Number two, if it's conviction, where am I getting my convictions from? You know, they should, should be the Bible. It should be biblical principle. And then number three, how if you're, if you're single, then hear me. Don't get married until you find someone who's going to be of your people. Well, I'm full of lust. Well, then take a lot of cold showers and repent and go to like a connect group every night and stay late. Come on now. I think we give ourselves a lot of freedom for dumb stuff. So undo the bad stuff and do the good stuff. And, 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 and so then when you're doing the, the, the yellow pad, you, you, you begin to fill out and say, and, and then don't, when, when you have good stuff, don't, don't beat yourself up. Maybe it's just you need to tighten up on some of your disciplines and say, hey, rather than I, I come to church, I, I prefer to come often to church versus Kim and my conviction is we're tormented. If when we were in Hawaii, in Oahu, we went down to hear Art Sepulveda in his church on Queen Street. On vacation, if we can get into God's house. Last year down in Carlsbad, California, we go over to the 3C church or C3 church. 
and uh, uh, the Pringles uh, group of churches, Phil Pringles churches. So we, we've got to be in God's house. Well, you know, you're, you're, you're a professional pastor, and I'm not a professional, I'm an amateur that still gets, gets paid. How do you know I'm an amateur? Because I still long to go to God's house. I've still got to go with God's people and worship because I'm still a sheep of his pasture and I need tending. And especially when I don't have to yap to anyone else. It's good to just hear God's voice and get refreshed because these are convictions. Where you vacation, how you vacation. Can I put that right, put that vision in writing? Scratch it out, begin working on it. I'd like to read to you about four or five verses from the last words of David, and uh, there, there will be no slide for this. But years ago, I was uh, arrested by God late at night, and he began to, he said, I want you to turn here, turn here, and turn here, and he took me to three significant spots at the time. It was about 1989, and he was talking to me about what was going to ensue in the church, and, and it was preparatory to probably one of the biggest trials of my life. And, and I had no idea, never recalled reading the last words of David. Uh, but, but 2 Samuel chapter 3 are the, the, the last words of David. And, uh, and God used it. He said, this is who I want you to be. And then he had taken me to some other places. But uh, these are beautiful words that I, I want to bless you with because I want, it's my prayer for your family. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. 2 Samuel 23, verse 2. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just. He that rules over little Wesley. Your babies, your marriage, in my estimation, are the greatest treasure. He that rules over the Schmelzers, he that rules over the Willises, he that rules over the, the Millers, Martinez's, the Thomases must be just. He that rules over little Connor must be just. I'm up here crying like a crazy man as I open up my heart and I let you see what burns in my heart. Well, can't you save the world? You cannot save the world if you can't even save your own. You cannot rule the world if you don't know how to rule your own. You can't restore the world if you don't know how to restore your own. Let me finish. He who rules over men must be just. Ruling in the fear of God. What's it mean to fear God? I'm not going to 
deny you. I'm not going to ignore you. I'm not going to be God-ized. I'm going to be a devout Christian. How many of you know there are a lot of Christian lights that go to church? But God wants us to be Christian. That's what it means to rule in the fear of the Lord. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made with me an everlasting covenant ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? Pastor Kim and I are recruiting you. Well, I feel like I'm being groomed. You are. We're grooming you not to molest you, but to see that your, your family and your house would be so strong two generations after you're dead. Amen. Because that's God's plan. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and in you all the families of the earth are going to be blessed. Later on in Galatians 3, he re reasserts the Abrahamic promise to every believer, which means your house and my house. Heavy duty, huh? How many of you think maybe I better bring this in? I think I'm over time. I will pay for my indulgence. I think that's the ushers getting ready to deal with you people. Hey, guys, they're going to come out here in a minute. And I'm, I'm pausing because I think sometimes we need a Sela moment. There are times I leave a message, and you may not see me doing this physically, but I'm going, God, get it, get it, get it. God, I've got to get this. This is important. Este razón, este cosa es tan importante. It's very important. I think sometimes we think that someone else is going to put values in our babies. This church exists to help you, not to replace you. We're here to help you. There's nothing like person after person coming in saying, man, I'm, I swallowed the dog. Man, I'm ready to join. I'm no longer playing for me. I'm playing for my children. I'm playing for my grandchildren. I'm playing for the team. I'm playing for the kingdom of God because we all can come up with 75,000 preferences. But when it comes to conviction, God assigns them. I'd like us to stand together if we could. You guys all get to stand, and, except for me. I get to stay seated right now. Week after week, people come here and they go, hey, I'm not that religious. I'm not that spiritual. How do I get connected with God. 
connection with God is pretty amazing because God's done the heavy lifting. He created the heavens and earth. He gave you a nice workplace to work on, a whiteboard, we call it the earth, that you can write your life on. You get to live one time and then comes the judgment. You won't be recycling. It's so important that in this life that you come to know that God's purpose for every one of us is that we would grope for him. We would reach out and find him, though he's not far from any one of us, according to Acts 17. God's love and his favor is aimed at every man, every woman, to say that today is the acceptable day of salvation. You say, what can I do? Do I need to take a shower to clean up, to try to clean myself up? I want to tell you something. Whatever state, you can walk the aisle and you can say, I need God. Whether you're semi-stoned, whether you're an alcoholic, whether you're a drug addict, whether you are so greedy, you've lived for money, we come to Jesus for the cleansing. He's the one. It's the blood of Jesus that washes away the sin. It's the blood of Jesus that allows us to sing a song like we sang today, Oh Lord my God. I awesome wonder how great you are, how great you are, God, or how great thou art. And so all you have to do is just say, God, help me. I come to you for the payment that Jesus paid. God sent his son to take away your sins and my sins. Every sin has been paid for. Not everyone will use the account. It takes faith to say, I believe that Jesus loves me and he'll take away my sins. Subsequently, when you, when you are forgiven, you are brought fully into the family for complete family training. You're given the Holy Spirit. You're given the Bible. You have the ability to really have a clean slate and then to write upon it wisely. So I would like every, every person, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, um, I'm really, I'm really wanting to, to give my life to Jesus. Just raise your hand and, uh, and so I can get an idea. How many of you are here and you say, man, I, I, I don't know, come here from Sikkim, but I think this is right and I want to join God. Raise your hand. Okay. I want you to know that wherever you are, you can call on the name of the Lord. It's good, to, it's good to let some folks in the church know that you made a commitment to Jesus because then they can help you get placement, get materials and some studies and, and help you to grow in your faith. Hallelujah. How many of you say, Pastor Steve, your message is kind of heavy today, you and Pastor Kim. It's kind of it's heavy. Anybody think it was heavy at all? Raise your hand if you think it was a heavy message. Keep your hands up. Okay. Okay. Kim and I have our hands up. It's a heavy message. It's the Christian challenge that Jesus did not do his own thing. He didn't live his preferences. And so having forgiven me, I'm not to live my preferences. I'm to live my convictions. I have a conviction that on that dot in Medford, Kim and I were planted right here to love you guys and pastor you. We feel that we are supposed to live fervently till the day we die. If I get tired of the Christian walk, I need to ask for a recess, which means I need to have the Lord take away my, my breath so I can be with him. Until then, for you guys, the example of ruling in the fear of God, you need, you need modeling. We need to model. How many of you will take the chance and say, I'm going to model better by God's grace? Okay, put 
put, put both of your hands if you have them or have them available. With babies sometimes, please don't put both up right now. <laughs> Hear my heart. I love you, you stinker. I love you. And I'm mad at every one of you. And I'm mad at me. And Kim and I are mad at each other. We want to do this thing even better. We want to do it better. It isn't lack of compassion. It's fervency. This is the game we need to win. And I know you feel that way. Let's just call out, just do a loud prayer. Let's all call. Lord, help us right now. Lord, help us to fill that whiteboard with good writing that comes from your mind, from your scriptures, from your virtue, from your value. Lord, fill this place, Lord. We're crying out from front to back. We all know that we're to do this. We all know that you've forgiven us. Now I'll pray. I cast away the spirit of condemnation. I cast away the spirit of the accuser of the brethren that people would say, why even try? I'm so far behind. No, because it's so valuable that the best thing that we could do if we were to die in a week is to put value in the people around us that we love. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Shake up this house, Lord. Shake us up, Lord. Shake us up, God. Lord, we want to touch Medford. We don't want to curse Medford. We don't curse Rogue Valley, but we speak life. We speak passion. We speak the family. Necesita tu bendiciones sobre las familias en este lugar. Somos su pueblo. Necesita su poder día por día. Gloria a Dios. Su fuego ahora aquí. Espíritu Santo. Necesita su ayuda. Ayúdanos, Señor. Help us, Lord. Help us, oh God. Build up your people with your passion, with your life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.